Does it go up to 11? It's just one more. It's just one more. I'm so glad you have you know what that's from. Most people, when I say, does it go to 11, they're like, huh? <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I think that's literally the only line. Have you seen the movie? Yeah. Oh, that's all. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters. Today, Tyler and Dude Tackle, Evan Williams, Bottled and Bond, Buffalo Trace, and Old Granddad 114. We also talk about Little Dicky. I don't know what that is, but we'll find out during the episode today. So grab a drink, pick up your feet, and enjoy the show. All right, guys. So welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters. I am Dude Pool. And I am Tyler Schaefer. Tonight we are going to be breaking into some Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. We are going to jump into some Old Granddad 114, which mm-hmm. is new to the state of Ohio, and some Buffalo Trace. So let's uh, start off with some Evan Williams here before we get uh, too far into this. So this is uh, Evan Williams Bottled and Bond 100 Proof, and um, it is a Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So uh, what do you get on the nose? Sweet. Yeah, I do get some sweetness here. And if you haven't noticed, the theme for this evening is kind of like uh, bargain bourbons. What did you uh, pay for the Seven Williams? Uh, I think it's under 30, right? Oh, yeah. it's um, All these are under 30. What was the Wild Turkey 101? $21. Okay, after, so after this, one, this one I think will, I believe is $17.99. Okay. So these are all reasonably priced mm-hmm. bourbons. So we're going to kind of not necessarily pit them against each other, but at least, uh, you know, just kind of give us a little bit of a an idea of what we think of these. <clears throat> so this is good. I, I really like the Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. This is... Um, is this the second time you've had it? First time ever. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've never had it before. I've never had any of the Evan Williams bourbons. And I want to try all of them because I, I know that from a value standpoint, they're all supposedly really, really good. Yes. Um, this one, so just a little backstory here. We just got off of a ha- virtual happy hour with our gym. So we have a couple drinks in us already. And uh, True, true. So we uh, spent an hour talking to some of the people at the gym just to get a little FaceTime. And um, we started with some old granddad. And now we're moving on to the Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. Let's go back. Um, we're going to go old. back to the old granddad yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. I wanted to start with the Evan Williams though, because I'd never had it before. So, um, so yeah, I, I think I like this. Um, this is a charcoal filtered uh, bourbon. I don't know if uh, that means anything to anybody, but um, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Oh, is it? Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Charcoal filtered. I wonder what that means. It just means it's filtered through charcoal, and it is a sour mash. So uh, that's always interesting. I like to see that stuff as well. Um, but as far as... For know, our listeners, what does a sour mash mean? Oh, gosh. You're going to put me on the spot here. Um, oh, it is a sour mash. Well, uh, so yeah. there's a way when you are uh, making whiskey and bourbon 
that you keep some of the leftovers from the previous batch. Gotcha. And what it does is it helps kickstart the um, fermentation process. Okay. And so a sour mash is basically uh, kind of like uh, sourdough bread in the sense where they take some of the leftover and they uh, use it to kickstart that fermentation process. So it, it, a lot of times it ends up with a sweeter, deeper flavor. Okay. And um, I think that's definitely evident here in the Evan Williams for sure. Um, so what what do you get out of this? It definitely has a nice spicy kick on the front. Um, a, pr- a you know a decent, decently long finish, but not crazy, and not too sharp. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely, as always, I get the vanilla. Um, I get the caramel. Um, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of brown sugar on this too, and yeah. I think that might be where my sweetness is coming from. Yep. Um. The finish, though, for me, uh, it's fairly dry, uh, but it is a quick finish. It's not; it doesn't stick with me very long. Okay. Um, how do you feel about the finish on that? It's it's medium in length, I would say. Yeah, and I think what's what nice about this is the mash bill is seventy eight percent corn, ten percent rye, and twelve percent malted barley. So that smaller rye content, I feel like, is what's keeping it from yep. being super spicy to me. And then the 12%, which is a little bit higher malted barley, is what's giving me a little bit more of a smoother, I feel like, finish to the uh, to the bourbon. It's actually uh, got a good amount of flavor to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not yeah, super simple. For me, because of my limited palate, and this is a $15 MSRP, so probably you were probably right around 17 after tax. Uh, for me, I think a lot of times the, um, the smoother uh, bourbons generally for me anyway, because I'm, I've got a, a limited palate is due to a higher malt content, malted barley. Um, and I think for me, I think that helps me out a ton. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I feel like a lot of the, um, less spicy and uh, smoother taste to me are higher. Either it's a weeded bourbon or it's a low rye, high malted barley. Yeah, of course. So, um, so, I have a a couple of uh, articles that I've uh, pulled up um, that I thought were kind of interesting. We'll get we'll get to those here in a second. Um, But uh, how would you how would you rate this? I mean, definitely pretty high, especially for the price for seventeen dollars. I mean, you know, I I feel like a lot of emphasis nowadays goes on those higher batch proof you know, $100, $70, $80 bourbons, and I don't feel like that's necessary to get a good-tasted bourbon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially for the for the price, like, there's no reason that you can't have this as a nightly drinker. You know, this, this stacks up incredibly well with Makers, Jim Beam, you know. Makers 46 is still going to be my my go-to um but i'm definitely loving some of the the more cheaper stuff that we've been having the the wild turkey 101 yeah that was really good so and especially since it just sits on the shelf you know if if you're going to a part if you're going to a place and you want to bring a bourbon and you don't want to spend 
you know, $50 for everyone to suck it down in the night. Like, right. This is, this is fantastic. Yeah. That's always a tough thing for me because bourbon is a fun social thing for me. Sure. I love having bourbon with people, but for me, I'll spend $50 on a tight knit group, you know, to share a bottle of bourbon. Sure. But when it's a like a bigger gathering, when which, you're like you're going over for a cookout or yeah, someone's just like, hey, BYOB, there, right, like you bring something like an Evan Williams, yeah, because it's good. You, you it'll be fine in a mixer. It'll be fine as a straight or a, you know a neat bourbon um, on the rocks, whatever. And it, it, I think it stands up in all those situations. And you're not breaking the bank to mm-hmm. you know barely get a little bit of a, your own bourbon, you know. Yeah. And w- like I said, when you're when you're doing like a group of three to five, and you pay fifty bucks, you're going to get a decent amount of that bourbon. Uh, versus, yeah, like you said, at a party where you know it might be gone in twenty minutes. So, um, yeah, I think to me this was really good. Um, I would call this a shelf just because of its availability and its price. Oh yeah, uh, it's you don't need to hunt for it, and it's an easy pickup. And I don't have it on my shelf right now, but I think that this is probably the next thing I'm going to go get because I th- I've been putting it off, knowing that I've been looking for Old Granddad 114, which is a new, you know, entry into Ohio. Um, Jeez, the more you drink it too, yeah, just the better it just grows. It gets. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way with a lot of bourbon, actually. That, yeah. that happens for me on a lot of bourbon. But there's a lot of bourbons. Um, so I was drinking the Four Roses Small Batch Select the other night. Mm-hmm. The first time I had it neat, like it punches you in the face. Yeah. And I'm like, whoo, this is, this is challenging for me to drink. And I added. Uh, two ice cubes and i just let it sit uh usually if i add ice i'll i'll sip it as i immediately put it in yeah that's one of the things that we we experienced as we had the angels mv tour he said you don't want to like over chill Chill it it too fast yeah yeah it closes Um, it down yep so i put the ice in and i just let it sit and then until the ice was completely melted and then i revisited it and it was incredible. Yeah. Like, it was absolutely incredible. But there are some that I have that, you know, the more you drink of it, it just becomes bourbon. Yeah. Like, you're just like, nah, like, I'm drinking bourbon. But this, I feel like the more you have of it, it, like, becomes clear. Like, the notes become more... It's almost like it's telling you more secrets the more you get to know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Um, Evan's so, your friend. Yeah. The more you get to know I mean. I here's the I so I was looking at uh I follow the Whiskey Wash which is a uh, web page and it does a whole bunch of whiskey reviews and just articles and stuff and I've always been I've been looking to do a bourbon room in my basement and one of the things that uh came up today was a how to make a Jack Daniel's barrel into a uh like a storage shelf basically it was kind of cool so check that out if you get a chance it's a pretty neat little article and uh it, it's actually a video but it's a pretty cool article inside of the Whiskey Wash website so not to take up too much time, I know we are in quarantine here, so we're trying to just kind of get as much content in as possible. Um, you know, coming out of our last episode where we had the wild turkey, which was, you know, a cheaper bourbon, we had the idea to come and do a whole bunch of uh, cheaper bourbons all at one time just to kind of compare them and, and talk about value and different things like that. Um, so, I mean, as far as Evan Williams bottled and bond, I think that's huge value as far as I can, in my opinion. Um, for $17, you can't do much better than that. Absolutely. Um, so moving on to the uh, old granddad 114, 
which is a $30 bourbon. So uh, it is a 114 proof, which is uh, hence the name uh, Old Granddad 114. Uh, you may have had their Old Granddad Bottled and Bond, which is a pretty popular bourbon as well. So 57% alcohol by volume. Uh, what do you get on the nose on this one? And this is lot number one, according to the bottle. First off, the smell is fantastic. Yeah, I would agree with that. Interesting. Nutty? Nutty with uh, brown sugar? I think at this point I'm saying everything's brown sugar if it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. This one... Um... I feel like I, I get a little more alcohol right out of the gates. I mean, which I'm going to. It's a, it's you know seven percent more seven percent more alcohol. Um, but yeah, brown sugar I definitely get. But I do feel like this must have a little bit higher rye in the mash bill because I'm getting that uh, heat or that spiciness from the rye. Are you getting cinnamon? Yeah, and, that, and I think that's that might sometimes, be the spiciness too. I don't know. Sometimes you know I'll, I'll get a little mixed up in the brown sugar, the cinnamon. The nutmeg, the nuts. So just to be fair, this is probably the best my nose has felt in a while as far as, uh, <laughs> like, honestly, I, I, I... I broke my nose. No, but, like, I don't... I, I'm not always stuffy, I shouldn't say that, but I definitely have allergies and stuff, so I think that affects my nose. But today I feel like I'm I'm smelling some things pretty well, so... Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think this one, I feel like... I haven't tasted it yet, but I feel like it's going to have a little bit more spice to it. Okay. Um... What's the mash bill? Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, 63% corn, 27% rye, and 10% malted barley. So 27% rye is high. It, it's higher, yeah. It's 63% corn, which, I mean, technically you could have 51% corn. But usually it's not corn. that much rye. Um, it just depends. There's some high rye bourbons out there for sure. Um, but 10% malted barley, I think anywhere from like 5 to 10% is pretty common. For the malted barley, um, the twelve we had on the last one was decently high. I feel like, um, yeah, I think this is this is. Um, I I definitely get a fruit right out of the gates on this one, um, and I, it is spicier to me. But that's probably the rye. I do get the fruit on this one as well, but not not the more peri fruit that. Yeah, it's like a dark fruit. Yeah, I like a plum or something yeah. like that. Now. The cool thing about this is I think the finish, for as much more alcohol that's in this, seven more percent, I don't feel like it destroys me. The finish no. is, is still smooth, and it's it's not super lingering. It hits you in the chest right away, but then it just dissipates almost immediately for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, so if, if you were to read on Breaking Bourbon, it does call it a high, rash, high rye mash bill. Um so, so I mean, I guess uh, you were closer to being right on that one as far as the rye, you know, percentage. Um, but this is thirty dollars. I mean, honestly, yeah. I for thirty bucks. I mean, I'm still pretty excited about this. This, this to me, when and we're about to do that next. This to me is right up there with the Buffalo Trace, with the Evan Williams that we just had, the Wild Turkey we had last week. I mean, I'm pretty happy with a bourbon like this if i if i'm going to pay 30 bucks and get this type of flavor and this type of complexity out of a out of a bottle of bourbon i'm going to be happy with it yeah 
and um, it's got a unique bottle to it too. Yeah, it's got a very unique. wide mouth on it. Yeah, it was weird when I poured it. It, it just kind of came right out yeah. like I wasn't ready for it. Now that That's I'm past the, <laughs> now that I'm right past the neck, it's a little bit uh, <laughs> setting yourself up here. Trying. Uh, but now that I'm past the neck with the pours, it's coming out a little bit better. But uh, the first couple pours, it just came right out like yeah. like crazy. Um, and it's got this little gold seal or or maybe bronze or whatever color you would call that, rose gold type seal on it. Yep. It's supposed to look like a wax seal, but I don't think it is. Um, so that's kind of neat. It's it's a pretty cool little bottle, that's for sure. For sure. And I know Old Granddad has a, a pretty decent history. Um you know, just in the in the bourbon industry altogether. Uh, I don't know all of it, you know, perfectly well, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But, uh, but yeah, it's there. Uh, this is a good. How do you think this compares to the 101, the Evan Williams, the, the Evan Williams 101, or the the Wild Turkey? Yeah, the the Evan Williams to the 100 proof, the bottle and bond. You mean? Sorry, yeah. Okay, not the 101, um, the bottle and bond. I like this better, do you? but I think it might just be the the proof. Um, the Evan Williams did have some really nice flavor and some nice complexity to it, which I thought was really cool. Um, so I'm not bashing Evan Williams at all. It's good. I would, I'm, like I said, I, that's probably going to be the next thing I go out and buy. Um, you brought that here. Uh, old granddad 114 just got that, just opened it today. Um, it just came to Ohio. So that's, that's still a hunting bourbon for the most part in the sense that it's not widely available in Ohio, even though the person who got this for us said there were like multiples on the shelf and they were yeah. able to buy more than one. Uh, whenever I've seen it, it's always, well, I haven't seen it, but anytime I knew it came to a store, it was gone by that afternoon. Yeah. And that's been in the last three weeks that it's uh, and been they, it, and, and someone said that they are going to try to stock it consistently. Yeah, yeah no, it just... is. But right now, because it's new, everyone's buying it up. Yeah. So in about six months, it'll probably be on the shelves. Yeah. Um, but in that case, like for $30, I would, I would hunt this. I would go a couple, you know, suburbs away to find this and grab it for yeah. 30 bucks. And um, in the, but in, at least six months, just paying attention. Yeah. At least just kind of paying attention to when it's available in your area. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, and like you said a minute ago, this is one of those ones, the more and more I drink it. The more it's growing on me, I, sure. I I'm really enjoying this. In fact, we've actually, I think we've drank more of this this evening than we have of the Evan Williams already, which you already had open before you came. Yeah. So, but this is good. No, I I would definitely recommend this. And if you find it on a shelf, you can't go wrong with a thirty dollar purchase on an old Granddad one fourteen. Um, this or the Evan Williams for that matter, they're both very good. What would you uh, what would you rate it? Just a a shelf, I mean, or a, a hunt right now, and then a shelf in six months, or what would you say? I would say that's fair, um, just because you can't really find it right now. I yeah. would say that once, if it was a regular bourbon that you would find often, I would say it's a shelf. Yeah, and I think that's automatic for us. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing: like, I hunted for this. I finally got it. And I'm happy with it, so I we, can't I can't say that it's not a hunt right now. Yeah, we've talked about this, but someone else kind of put it into pretty good words. Like, there's a few bad bourbons. There's a lot of good bourbons, and then there's a couple great bourbons. Sure. So whenever we've tried a lot of stuff, for the most part, we're like, 
we're we're gonna enjoy it for the for the most part. I like dissecting how one tastes versus the other. Not not necessarily like I don't like this. Yes, I like it, but just the nuanced differences between each of them. But there's kind of only a few that me and you have come across that were like, yeah, nah, right. And I think nah. those were the ones we did during the uh, twelve or thirteen days of yeah. Uh, bourbon. Yeah, seriously. Um, I, I would agree with that completely. Now, here's the thing: like, like you said, I've found more bourbons I like than I don't like. Oh yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, not, not even close. Which makes it tricky because, you know, I have a couple of buddies that are like, you know, bourbon is bourbon, and I'm like, I'm like, I think I started I, that way a couple of years ago. Sure, I was that and way, hundred percent. And I don't disagree with that because the most, most of all of them, I'm like, yeah, they're they're great. So if you don't if you don't like spending fifty, sixty, seventy-five, eighty dollars for a bottle of bourbon, you can still drink bourbon and and find some amazing stuff. Like for you, yeah, budget you, price. Yeah, yeah, you do not have to spend that if you do not want to and, and drink great stuff. So here's a comparison. I mean, bourbon's blown up right now, so so pricing of bourbon is all over the place. Vodka, which was what my wife drinks, you know, is. You know, anywhere from it's pretty. I don't think there's a ton of flavor in vodka, but but Trina will, my wife will tell you that she can tell. Like we got the um, Wheatley's bourbon from, um, which is fantastic, which is really good, and it, but it's been distilled ten times. Yeah. So when you think about a bourbon that's been distilled ten times, or I'm sorry, a, a vodka that's been distilled ten times, you know that you're going to have pretty much all the impurities and and things out of it and it's going to be just a straight up liquor you yeah. know it's a, like they call what do they call it a neutral spirit is that what they call it i don't know um and it's just it doesn't really have a lot of flavor there's no oak from the wood there's no flavor left in from the from i mean there's a little bit but it's it's Does so that happen high. with vodka yeah vodka is just vodka man like I know it's, it's ethanol it's just yeah straight it's, up. but there's a little flavor to it trina will tell you she can tell the difference between them yeah like a crab vodka like a kamchatka vodka versus <laughs> yeah. like a smirnoff versus like a you know uh one of my favorite is valentine's i've never from heard of detroit okay uh, but she loves tito's she likes the smirnoff she she Kettle generally is, goes toward uh the smirnoff 100 versus the regular smirnoff which is 100 proof um but she can definitely tell the difference between the good and the bad, you know, vodkas. Yeah. She doesn't quite hunt like we do. She just grabs Tito's if, but if she sees a cool bottle, she'll try it out and see if she likes it. Sure. Um, but yeah, that, that's the thing about When's bourbon. When's her birthday? Uh, November 29th. Okay. <laughs> you got some bourbon or some I'll get her some, you know, maybe I'll uh, find Valentine's for. Oh, that'd be cool. She'd like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the big thing for bourbon is that the wood and the mat, the different mash bills can can add so much difference to the flavor. By the time you're, you know, uh, creating your distillate to the point where you've bottled it, and now you're distributing it out to people, that the same mash bill. Look at look at uh, Buffalo Trace. The same mash bill can be used for ten different freaking bourbons. Yeah, and ten different expressions. I mean, that's just crazy. And just where it sits in the rickhouse can cause such a different, you know, result. Um, you know that is that is incredible to me. Oh, that's nuts to me. Like, and, and if the fact it sits that they, on one side versus the other, yeah, and with so many other bottoms. variables too, like the the way the the type of wood that's in the in the uh, barrel, and you know if it's a new, like you can't 
guess that the wood's going to be exactly the same. I mean, if it's oh yeah, if it's an old oak tree versus a new oak tree versus a you know a dried out one that's more dry than another. I mean, more dry or drier, drier, right? Drier. So, I mean, there's so many things that come into play. And then when it's aging, if they have hotter summers and colder winters and you know cloudy skies versus super sun, well, the humidity the, as well, yeah, humidity like, too, right? Yeah, and then what floor it's on in the rickhouse? What if it's near the windows? If it's in the center? If it's, I mean, it's crazy. When you think about places like uh, Maker's Mark, where they do their Maker's Forty Six in a in a uh, rickhouse that's basically up against the stone wall, the limestone wall of a lake. And it's sitting there nice and cool, like 70 degrees all year long. Yeah. And then there, but that's a finishing location. But still, sure. that's that's just crazy though. Like, I mean, so, I don't know. There's just so many I, variations. I, one of my favorite things is obviously tasting them side by side. Yes. But, yeah. and you'll really tell the difference between bourbon side by side to each other. Oh, you're for sure. Like, you're like, wow, that's, that's completely different. That's completely different. Um, having Kendall on, you know he's not much of a bourbon drinker, but we need to get him when, back on here. By the way, yeah, when when he sat there and drank some of the different ones, he's like, "Yeah, I absolutely tell the difference." When he wasn't a bourbon drinker when he yeah. came, and then when he left, he's like, "Oh, this was actually really neat." Yeah, um, and that's really cool. Like I do like introducing bourbons to people. Oh you know yeah, what I for mean? sure. Me too. Um, so but the other thing is is one of the unique things that I like is the different single barrels. Oh, yeah. Like when you try something that is the same company, the same single barrel, and you're like, I have barrel this, I barrel this, and you, you're comparing them, you can absolutely well, tell the Well, I think that's why they're so popular right now. Everyone's trying to do store picks and single barrels and whatever else, and I think that's a way for people to get the mash bill they like, but in a little bit of an expression that's different than what they can get on a regular store. Yeah. People are so hungry right now for, you know, something just a little bit different. And when you get these people that go on their, you know, barrel picks, I think they're looking to have their own expression, their own, you know, uh, way for people to go out and, uh, um, you know, go out and make their own expression basically it's almost like their way to be artistic without being a master distiller or without being a master sure. taster you know what i mean yeah um by the way that last little bit of old granddad the finish on that is incredibly nutty right i thought it so too i thought it was a little nutty and what's funny is i'm sitting here on the breaking the, bourbon i don't see anything about nuttiness in it at all but i kept getting nuttiness too the that they keep last, talking about red hot cinnamon. That I last sip was incredibly nutty. Yeah. Now this is also this review was done in 2017, so this is a little bit of an older review. Sure. But uh, so I mean that could change in three years, you know. So now we're about to hit into. Um, now we're about to hit into the Buffalo Trace, which is a very blended bourbon which i think if buff if i remember correctly and i'll look this up in just a second but i think buffalo trace is a um isn't it a uh sorry i just blanked <laughs> uh isn't buffalo trace a seven or eight year old bourbon i believe so i will i will say starting with this um it's actually been not i have two bottles of buffalo trace at home 
Yeah, but I've it's been a little bit. A bunch of them. It's been a little bit since I've had it. But I will say that even though it's a very cheap bottle of booze, yeah, thirty dollars MSRP. I don't hype Buffalo Trace as much as some people do. But do you like it? Yeah. But there's a lot of people that are like, oh my God, you're, you're anything. Well, you the best thing like under that? $30 is Buffalo Trace. And I'm like, I mean, it's a good bottle, but it's. I, I don't disagree with the statement. Now, I have some competitors here. And last week and this week with Old Granddad 114 and Evan Williams, um, you know, uh, Bottled and Bond. Th- those are both. Evan Williams is half the price and it's good. It's complex. Uh, old granddad's about the exact same price and Buffalo trace is, you what know, is it, 27. It's like $28. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost 30 or so with tax. It's a good bottle of bourbon and, and it's, and it's readily available in Ohio, but it's, you have to hunt for it because it's not out. You have to go the day that they put it out. Sure. You know, what popped in my mind as I was getting our bottles of four See, roses. I get honey. I get honey and caramel on these. What do you get? On the nose. I just thought of it and I, I blanked. See, and I think what I like about Buffalo Trace, and this is, it's mellow. Like it's... It, Flo- I get a floral, you know? Yeah, there's definitely a floral. But it's 90 proof. Sure. And that comes through, I think, in the taste. It's it's definitely a mellow tasting yeah. bourbon. Um, so as I was buying our Four Roses the other day and I bought Jillian a bottle of wine, mind you, I enjoy it. And I know she does, but she likes the Apothic Red. Yeah. And it's always, it's like 20 some dollars, but it's always on sale for $10 right. or $11. Like literally. But see, wine is, wine is weird. You can buy, and if you're a wine sommelier and, or you're a wine connoisseur, you can go in the 60 to $100 range for a bottle of wine and get some crazy wine. But the regular average consumer can get some outstanding wines for for less than twenty dollars. Oh yeah, outstanding. Yeah, and and what's funny is a, is wine. It used to be kind of looked down on as, but the boxed wines used to be looked down on. But you can actually get some really boxed wines because some of those some of those places starting out, it's kind of like bourbon. And I'm just making all this shit up right now. But I'm pretty sure I read this a few years ago. It's kind of like bourbon, how some of them start by making vodka and gin sure. until their bourbon is old enough to be aged. Yeah. These younger wine places, a lot of times, from what I understand, can go to the boxed route because it's much cheaper than a whole bunch of bottles. Those little you know, rubber bladders or whatever they are that, that they put inside in, inside of the boxes. And they can box and get bourbon, or I'm sorry, get wine out the door so much cheaper than if they bottle it yeah. that it gives them a good starting point. Yeah. And so boxed wine for a minute. So, so 10 years ago I was really into wine and there was some very good, like over 90% rated box wines. Hmm. And, and it just depended like, you know, black box, for example, for a minute there, some of the red wines were really highly rated. I mean, boxed wine, you yeah. know, not out of a bottle. Um, and I still but, like myself some red wine, especially if I'm having steak or something like that. But generally now, if I go anywhere and I'm traveling for work or I go to a, a bar, I'll try out a bourbon I've never had before. Sure. But to my to my point of wine, yeah. so that bottle gets you what? Three, maybe four glasses? Oh, yeah. Four glasses if you're pouring how it's supposed to be poured. Yeah. 
If you pour so, heavy, then you're not getting four glasses out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, so what? It's four glasses of wine, you would say? I, it's supposed to be, I think, four glasses of wine. I don't know if that's yeah. 100% right, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be four, four glasses, I believe. So, if you kind of divided that $10, $12 bottle of wine into, into four glasses what that would be for a bourbon that's an $80 bottle yeah no i it, there's listen, 20 there's 26 pours in a bottle the value in a bottle of bourbon is you get about 20 what did we say 21 ounce pours or, oh i thought i thought i thought they were pours. 20 i thought they were 26 in, it's in that range 1 ounce pours it's in that range it's i think it's whatever it is it's in that range so the point is, is that yes, you are getting much more value yeah. for a bottle of bourbon if you enjoy it, sure, than you are for a, a bottle of. Wine. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. Like literally every single time I go to the grocery store on a weekly basis, I buy us two bottles of wine, and but if 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 I spent sixty dollars on a bottle, it's like it's like ah oh, really I know, I but know. it's like it's like. I'm going to get 20 plus drinks out of that. So the funny thing is, is, is about a year ago when I started really getting my collection ramped up, that's how I <laughs> justified it. Oh yeah. I was like, well, you know what? I'm actually getting like 20 drinks out of this. Yeah. So that's like $2 a drink, you know, or, or $4 a drink. That's not that bad. Especially when you consider that same bourbon, if you bought it at, you know, a restaurant or a bar was going to be 10 or $12 or maybe 20. Oh Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, that's how I justified it a year ago when I first started into this. You know what's crazy? Um, especially at a place, especially at higher-end places, um, we sit down, we go to, I mean, it's not that higher-end, but we go to Cooper's Hawk or yeah, we go to anywhere Cooper's else. Hawk. I get wine when I go there. And you're like, oh, yeah, let me get a, let me get a glass of your, your cab. Oh, it's $15. I'll just do what? a glass of their house. I always do yeah. the house. Or, or, or whatever. But, like, it's almost, you know, a, a second thought. You're like, oh, $15 for a glass of wine? Sure. But then it's like, how nutty would I be looked at for paying for a $15 pour of bourbon? Pour of bourbon. Like, it depends on where it's you It's not go. a drink. It's not a drink. It's right. not like a Manhattan. It's not a, it would, a fancy drink. But it's even just a Manhattan, a, a lot of times, isn't that expensive. Yeah generally the higher end pours are more expensive than the Manhattans. You well, know? like you come across some like high end bourbons at restaurants and you're like, oh, I really want this, but it's $20. And you're like, oh, I can't justify that. But then you like, you're like, my wife sat across me for me drinking a, a freaking $15 glass of wine. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you ever watch the Fred Minnick show at all? No. You know who David Byrne is? No. Grammy Award, Oscar, Golden Globe winner, David Byrne, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer? No. Oh, he was on the uh, Fred Minnick show uh, just this last week. So it was a pretty interesting uh, episode. And then also, did you see that uh, the old charter oak, Buffalo Trace, uh, has brought that out? Um, and they're doing like the different, uh, the use of different oak tree yeah. uh, varieties, basically. In the aging of the American, you know, whiskey or bourbon, and mm -hmm. so they're uh, they've got this chink chinkapin oak, I think is what they call it. I don't know how they how you pronounce it, 
but it's the new Buffalo Trace Old Charter Oak, Chincapin Oak offering. Um, and uh, so basically it's, it's an oak native to the Midwest United States. And uh, the large trees are often found in parks and on large estates and stuff like that. But uh, basically uh, for this release, the distillery obtained a small number of barrels with staves air dried for two years before assembling them into barrels. So uh, most of the times, barrel staves are dr- air-dried for like three to six months. These were aired for two years. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. And that's what I mean by there's so many variables about, you know, what can go into a bottle of bourbon from one bourbon to the next is, you know, how long were the staves aged? You know, were they air-dried for six months? Were they air-dried for two years? I mean, so um, the idea behind these is supposedly the extra seasoning of the wood allows it to break down. Um, and then capture the flavors, you know, where the barrel is, uh, when the barrel's charred. Um, that's according to the Buffalo Trace master distiller, Harlan Wheatley. And where does Wheatley come from? The bourbon or the name? Vodka? Wheatley Vodka? He is their master distiller. So that's why they named the vodka after him. Anywho, I just thought that was kind of neat because, uh, you know, they're, everyone's doing these things like, uh, Jefferson, is doing their uh, oak experimental stuff. That's available right now in uh, a couple of different Kroger's in, in, in Hilliard. And they're all doing different things to kind of experiment with the oak. And, and I know Buffalo Trace has like a uh, an open air rickhouse yeah. to see how that affects some of their, uh, as an experimental rickhouse, to see how it uh, you know affects their aging process. And they decided to do that after the E.H. Uh, e. Taylor, uh, what was it, the uh, uh, tornado uh experiment or yeah. the, not experiment, but the, the tornado EH Taylors that came out that ended up being better than, you know, they expected them to be. Um, so I just thought that was kind of neat. Um, so I don't know what you think. I, I just think it's cre- crazy how all these different variables go into a, just a bottling of bourbon. We have come to a nice point in the episode to take a quick break and mention our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Unicorn Nation Apparel, magical apparel for magical people. Check them out at www.unicornnationapparel.com. They make a lot of custom shirts for small groups, parties, teams, or whoever needs shirts. They can do screen printing and vinyl pressing for athletic wear or outerwear. Check them out today. By the way, on this moving along to this Buffalo Trace, yeah, it's got a great leather taste to it. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, and so the the funny thing, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned leather, and I I tend to put leather with age. Uh, generally speaking, that's that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, but so here's the thing. I just looked this up. So it says Buffalo Trace says it's aged at least eight years, but there's a rumor apparently, according to Breaking Bourbon, uh, that it's between eight and ten years, usually nine and a half years. 
Now, Buffalo Trace is notorious for not disclosing their actual mash bill like a lot of places do. Yeah. A lot of places are very transparent with their mash bill. Buffalo Trace is not one of those. But I think they have three mash bills, two rye mash bills and a wheat mash bill. Sure. I think. Uh, I could be wrong on that. You know, let me know in the in the uh, comments otherwise. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this is a blended bourbon from anywhere eight to 10 years. Yeah. Average of nine and a half years, supposedly. So, I mean, that's, you having a good time? Yeah. That, that makes for a good hey, podcast. Hey, you know what I just thought? What's that? You did very well recently. <laughs> we should get a distiller. Let's make our own booze. We'll build a, a mini Rick house in my backyard. <laughs> we'll just, and we'll age the bourbon in this mini Rick house. What do you mean I did very well recently? What are you talking about? And you, just, you just did well. With what? Work. Yeah. You did well with work. <laughs> so you're you're trying to jump in on my commission check is what you're saying. <laughs> so that we can use my commission check to build a rick house in your backyard. <laughs> well, I don't well, think I don't think that follows zoning codes in your or or even uh what do they call what, those? What are you uh, building? Uh rick house. homeowners association. Yeah, HOA. Uh what's going on in the back? You is know what? A, if it looks like a, a shed? Tool, if it looks like a tool shed. Is that a shed? Uh, Rick House. We could do we could do five gallon barrels instead of fifty three gallon barrels, and we could do a shed. And inside the shed, they don't see what we've built. Yeah, we could build the Rick House shed. We're gonna put my lawnmower uh, in there. Well, the lawnmower would probably add a little bit of flavor. To yeah, the, to the finishing. <laughs> so I, grass do clipping I, uh, finishing. Is that a tall fescue? <laughs> is that a sensimia? Is that a sensimia yeah. in the? Uh, <laughs> Ooh, you I know what a, that's from? Get, no. You know what that's from? No. It's from fucking Caddyshack. No. You need to watch some fucking movies. By the man. way, I brought this up. Have you seen Dave? Do you know who Little Dicky is? I know the movie Dave. I've never heard the TV the sh- show. Yeah. Do you know who Little Dicky is? I know who James Dicky is. No. Yeah. Shout out, James Dicky. Shout out. Um, anyway, so Dave, Little Dicky, is a. What's comedic? With the popping of the? What's what is that's a new thing this week? New thing. Sorry, I'm getting so bored at home. I'm yeah. getting new things. Quarantine so, life. Little Dicky Hashtag. is a comedic rapper. Okay. But have you ever seen Curb Your Enthusiasm? I love that fucking show. So if God, you like Curb Your Enthusiasm, okay. Dave is so fucking awkward. <laughs> in in the same sense, like here we're we're gonna watch the trailer. Oh my god, this is great podcasting right here. So when I think I'm watching this at the same time, I'm trying to fill airtime here. But one of the things I love about the Curb Your Enthusiasm show is uh, what's his name? Who's the black guy? Um, I don't know. He's oh uh, yeah 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 yeah. So he's he's, in a, he's staying at in in. Um, he's just been living in his guest house. Yeah yeah. For years, ever since Hurricane Katrina, his family moved in after Hurricane Katrina. Dude, this and is he didn't leave. Everyone else left. He he didn't leave. And so now he's a regular on the show, and I just love it. He is so stinking fun. JB Smooth. Yeah, it's JB Smooth. Smooth. So, uh, God, I, the, he, ever since he so, joined the cast, it has been so much funnier. So, so Dave, Little Dicky, it's like a pun on his little, his little dick. Um, <laughs> because he's white. Yes. Well, I don't know, just but that he, he has white. an abnormally small dick. Okay. Um, so, Little Dicky is like the most white rapper of all time yeah. i could say like if that if that makes sense the the most white rapper of all time sure so in in his show 
he's he's like like you see him interacting with everyone and how corny he is and everything like that but he's like you know he's talking about he just he like tweeted just got head and he's like and his girlfriend comes in and he's like just got head and he like and his girlfriend walks in and she's like uh excuse me like my mom just saw this and he's like well i didn't just get i didn't just get head like you have to separate me from the rapper little dicky like i have to and and she's like he's like i have to tweet stuff like that you know and she's like well uh okay you didn't just get head he's like yeah i know so anyway he's in a uh a studio session rapping and his girlfriend's like, you know, his girlfriend pops in, uh, his girlfriend's attractive, but his, his girlfriend comes in and he's talking about like eating ass. And hey, so, listen. so they, so that's, little Dickie that's standard. loves that's standard. So little Dickie loves plain Jane, no expectation sex. Have you, do you know what that it's standards from? No, the new chips movie, the remake. No, okay. The entire know. time they're talking about eating ass, and every time someone brings it up, he's like, "Yeah, it's standard." Yeah, it's standard. So she hears him talking about like eating ass, and and they have a very plain sex life, and she is like semi frustrated by it, but she's like, "Oh, maybe, maybe he wants to eat my ass." Like, let's spice some things up. So they're like, they're literally having sex, and you see him like you. You see his ass, like you see him naked. They're having sex, and and she's like, oh, "Eat my ass!" and and he's and like it's so awkward. Their dirty talk while they're having sex. It's so <laughs> cringeworthy, and and so she comes right, and and he and From she's like eating the ass, or, or just, just like the dirty talk, the okay. dirty talk. She comes right. and 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 she's like, like basically, she's like, finally, like there's a little bit more spice to this. She finally she comes and she's like, oh, did you come? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I did, <laughs> yeah, I did. So in the middle of the night, he gets up. Listen to this. He gets up. He goes and he takes this. He's got this like he's got a. It, there's literally a label for it. It's like this like wet. It's it's literally legs of a of a female. It's like a sex doll, but it's just legs. It's just rubber legs. And he goes <laughs> and he into the bathroom and and he's and he's trying to like nut basically banging it. And she knocks on the door and and he's like, uh, uh can you give me a minute? I'm pooping like. <laughs> So he like takes the sex, the sex doll legs, throws them in the shower and lets her in to go to the bathroom and the legs fall out as they're both in there and she's peeing and she's like, oh, what the, f-? she's like, Dave, what the fuck is that? And she's like, and he's like, well, and he's like, well, how would he have hidden it up to that point anyway? That's I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know. But, but still, he's, ex- funny. so he's explaining it and he's like, he's like, well, our sex was basically warfare. He's like, like. And and she's it, it's just so he described he described the dirty talk as warfare. Oh my He's like, God. I had to basically endure warfare. It is incredible. That I is was so in, Jillian, Jillian won't watch it, so like whenever she, she's away or like doing work, I sit there and watch it and I cry. That's so funny. So you have what's YouTube it called? TV? Little Dicky? Yeah, no, it's just YouTube called Dave. Oh my TV. God. Oh my God. Can we before we leave? Can you put it on? Can we watch like ten minutes of it? Well, so. we we'll have to do it upstairs with Trina because she'll she'll want to watch it. I'm sure <sighs> she'll love it. No, oh my god, it. no, yes, she will, she will. Oh, that's funny shit, man. That is so good. So, um, 
that was awesome. Uh, that was a nice little aside, man. I appreciate that. That's the kind of it shit is. that makes. So I was editing our last episode, and it's fucking funny. I'm sitting there listening to you and Randy and Brandon and me, <laughs> and it's actually really damn funny. Oh, really? Are yeah, I think it's probably our funniest episode. Well, uh, after I had a quite a bit to drink. Oh, my God. Uh, that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> you just kept saying, hey, listen, make the pours a little bit lighter. And then you just asked for more pours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> after, after that, like the conversations get going and it becomes a food podcast. I did not want to get off the phone or off the podcast. You did, though. I know I had to. I had to go paint trim, man. So yeah, here, here, here we go. Here, what was the thing that you sent today? Let's talk about that. Oh, okay, okay. So, so let's talk about the so the food. By items. the way, uh, Brandon has commented on basically all of them, so it's fantastic. Oh, I love no, he's they're awesome. They're so responsive um, right now. But I didn't get. He didn't really give me a um, an answer. No, he didn't give me a latest to the uh, words. I'm trying to think. So I had one today. You had one today. I have to send this to. I don't have. Did you send it to Bourbon Hunters? Is that what you sent it to? Or did you send it to my personal? Oh, uh, no, I didn't. Bourbon Hunters. Okay. So let me go back to that. Where's Brandon in my uh, messages? Oh, there we go. Top three. All right. So for all of you listening at home, Tyler sent me today a, you have to pick the top three best french fries and they're pretty much all fast food with the exception of one so a was wendy's and and should we should we tell them i've been doing this oh, basically yeah. top three top three recently we did it last episode too um but but it was top three the fir- first one was uh a wendy's b walmart that was i don't, I don't know very, how very yeah wendy's. i don't either there should be chick-fil-a i was there. pissed off that chick-fil-a was not included in here sure. because their fries are ridiculous they would have been number one for me yeah C was Arby's, D was Burger King, E was McDonald's, F was White Castle, G is Dairy Queen, H is Checkers, slash slash Rallies, and J is Sonic. I said McDonald's number one, Mm -hmm. Wendy's number two, and I just said White Castle number three because they're crinkly fries, and it was just a little bit of a different mix-up. I don't eat any of them. So for the most part, I'll have McDonald's and Wendy's if I have fast food. I don't eat Burger King. I'll have Dairy Queen, but I never eat their fries. I don't ever eat Checkers or Rallies. I don't eat Sonic, and I don't eat Arby's. I generally don't eat White Castle either, but I just saw the crinkly fries, so I picked them third. If Chick-fil-A was on here, it would have been Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Wendy's. So so we got Brandon's. He he responded pretty quickly here. Okay. From so, Buffalo Podcast. Yeah. So he said A. He said A, which is going to be wendy's then he said d which is going to be burger king that's bold well you're so burger king's fries got changed in the mid 90s they used to be much better and then they changed them and they were worse and i don't understand that so i will say as much as i love wendy's french fries yeah they've also changed their formula like at one time they weren't putting salt on their fries no i know it pissed me off like, I don't like a lot of fries, but at the same time, I like a little, or a lot of salt, I mean, but I, at the same time, yeah. I like a little salt. Wendy's is, is crack. So quick story. My son used to, uh, my oldest son, who's now 22, um, used to eat, he would say French, instead of French fries, he would say fra fries. <laughs> fra fries. So he would always eat 
chicken nuggets and fry fries. And so like that was just his he just kind of quickly, you know, passed through french fries and made it fry fries. But I just thought that was funny. Like he so I used to, I'm a huge french fry fan. And most of the french fry places that I go to How do you feel about this statement? The best french fry places generalization Greek restaurants. Oh, absolutely. They're so damn so, good. So I will say so damn so good. One thing that you missed out on growing up oh, did in, I? In, in Ohio okay, are the Coney Island restaurants of Michigan. So oh, I like, love Coney's. So, so let me so ask you. So I'm not hold talking on, about on. Skyline's no, no, no. shitty. I know what you're talking about, but I love Skyline. Coney. Don't fucking rip. No, on it Skyline. is. It is terrible. Listen, I get you. I get you. But I love Skyline. But I love standard Coney's too. So yeah, let me ask you this: Coney. What's on a Coney? So I always go. Just no, but what's on a standard Coney? Go. Meat sauce, whatever it is, yep. whether you want to be or bean meat sauce, whatever. Diced white onion, raw. Okay. Mustard. No cheese. No cheese. So cheese is not standard on your nope. version of a coney. Nope. See, my version of a coney includes cheese. Okay. But I that will was, say that's well, that not... That was where I was asking. Because some people say cheese. Some people say no cheese. I just... I feel like conies I, I, should have cheese on them. I will say that that's not a terrible thought, but I will say Skyline way overdoes it. Way overdoes it to the point where I feel like I'm eating cheese... And not a coney dog. I have no problem with that. So I grew up with a straight up old fashioned A and W Browns root beer in my hometown. Oh God, I love that. It's not even A and W. It was called A and W Browns. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Like it was the stereotypical coney dog diner. Of all time. You went in there, you got root beer floats, you got milkshakes, you got coney dogs, and shitty, awesome cheeseburgers. And old muscle cars were pulling in there all the time. They had muscle car nights. But we also just, on pretty much every single corner, like I, they were like pizza shops. The Greek restaurants. Oh, yeah. Leo's Coney Island. Like, you walked in there like and when I said like Leo's Coney Island, like you're you're talking about you're getting traditional Greek food, but you're also they had their chicken finger pita sandwiches, which were just douse and ranch that were fucking amazing. It's just chicken fingers, <laughs> chopped up lettuce, cheese, onion, and ranch, coney dogs. But those French fries, man. Do you those remember? French fries were amazing? Have you ever gone back since? Yeah. To see if it's just romanticized or if it's still the same. No, it's the same. Okay. Just making sure. Because you know how you know what I'm yes. talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. You you build up something in your head as a kid. It's nostalgic. You, rom- you romanticize it, it's nostalgia, yeah. and then you go back and you're like, Yeah, all right. And that's that's what I, it it something finally But also your taste changed too. Sure. So sometimes something that, popped in my head recently. Like for, for everyone that's new to this this podcast and they don't know, I'm a lawn care nut <laughs> like i am a fucking dad love lawn care stuff so it, i stopped the other day and i'm like why the fuck do i spend so much money on this why do i spend 
an incredible amount of time on this. And one thing that really struck me was growing up, um, my my dad took care of the lawn, but we had we had sod uh, with with our house. It was nice grass, you know. Like we had a good lawn. Like it was never like you know we didn't have a lot of weeds in the grass, but you know we had some we had pee spots with the dogs. But one thing, it was just very nostalgic to walk barefoot in. Oh, I love walking in, barefoot in grass. In grass, you love and, it. and good, like not like oh, like I'm walking in dandelions and fucking right, but prickly actual, weeds, like, but like grass. Yes, like that yeah. is one of the most nostalgic childhood memories I could ever have is walking barefoot in grass and and not just like being able to go and run in your yard without mud, without shit getting in your feet. Like it was just amazing. But then not only that, but like the nostalgic of grass for playing sports. So being on good turf and football, soccer, all of those things, like it's nostalgic to your childhood and growing up completely. So like, it hit me and I was like, uh, you know, this is why I enjoy doing it because when I have a kid, like I want them to be able to play in the yard and actually enjoy a good fucking lawn, you yeah. know? No, for sure. My, uh, my parents didn't care too much about the lawn, but we lived on a corner lot. We, all of our friends came and we played all the sports in our lot because yeah. it, it like fanned out in the sure. back. And, um, so we ours was the place to hang out. Plus we had a pool, so that yeah. didn't, that didn't hurt anything. <laughs> um, but our grass was not like well manicured, but it was nice. Yeah. And so yeah, I know what you mean. Like I used to always run in the backyard without shoes on. That's actually how I broke my ankle. There was a pothole in the backyard, like a yeah. little sinkhole, and I turned my ankle. That's how I broke it the first time. Um, I spend for for anyone. I I counted the other day, and I think I have forty bottles of bourbon. I spend far more in lawn care than I do in bourbon. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually chatting with the Buckhorn podcast right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're talking about how they just see old granddad 114 all the time on the shelves right now. And I'm telling them to pick, pick it up for me if they see it. Yeah, it's it's just never available. Um, you know, it, it's crazy that it's never available here in Columbus. This is the first time I've ever seen it. Well, it just got released into Ohio recently. Oh, really? It's a newer release into Ohio. Was however, it's always been selling out. But then you know, Britt said, uh, "Hey, what do you think about this?" I was like, "Oh my god, grab it!" Oh, she, please! And I was like, "She goes, do you want one?" I was like, "What? It's not limit one." She's like, no, there's like five on the shelf. I was like, really? <laughs> Can you because, grab me like three? Yeah, ours sell out the day of when we get them. So, and she's in Ohio too. She's in Columbus and she's just in a, a suburb north of us. And I was just so surprised. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I know that uh, it's been a long evening actually, just because we've been doing our virtual happy hour before this. Um, so let's do a real quick recap here. I think if you had to rate these three, Buffalo Trace is around 27, Old Granddad's around 30, and Evan Williams is around uh, 17. How would you rate these? Old Granddad, as much as I started off saying that I wasn't the biggest fan of Buffalo Trace, I definitely like it. So I will go with that too and Evan Williams. It's just a mellow. It's a mellow everyday drinker. But 
That being said, Evan Williams is like it, yeah. So we're talking about one one A B like well, one A one B one. It's half the price yeah. of Buffalo Trace. Yeah. So I mean, for that alone, I think you put it up there on a pedestal. Old Granddad and Buffalo Trace are good in different reasons. They're both very very good. Old Granddad has a little bit more of a spicier. You can tell the strength is there. It's still complex. Buffalo Trace is more of a mellow. It's not as complex, but it's so good. Like if you pulled Evan Williams off the shelf and it was forty five dollars, would you be surprised? No. Yeah. I wouldn't be. I don't know that I'd buy it at forty five dollars. I'd buy it at thirty. Yeah. For sure. If if these th- I feel like these three in pr- in taste, if you were to have them all being exactly the same price, I could understand why all three of them were thirty dollars. Yeah. Buffalo Trace is outstanding. Old Granddad is outstanding for a different reason. Evan Williams is outstanding. Again, for a different reason. Yeah. We we really need to start doing way more blind taste tests. I think so, too. Especially the, the with one, this. The one that we, we should have really enjoyed. Yes. We should have done this. We should have. To be like... No, that would have been a good idea. Especially since we've essentially had all three. Yeah. No. I, I would agree. Now that we've had all three, let's, let's revisit these in like a month and do all three as a taste, as a blind taste test. Fuck, the Buffalo Trace is good. It is good. I'm telling you. Fuck. That's why I have like five bottles in the I know. shelf. Every time I see it, I All pick right. up a bottle. All right. So uh, let's go upstairs and watch the Little Dicky show. Sure. All right, man. Sure. So we are signing off. Thank you for joining in. I know that you are bored as shit at home right now during this quarantine or this stay-at-home order. So thank you for joining us. I am Dude Pool, and this is... I am Tyler Schaefer. And he's grabbing his nipple again. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining in for another episode of The Bourbon Hunters. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review at any of the sites where you're listening to the podcast. Also, find us on Instagram and Facebook. And when you do, join in to the conversations, post your pics of your daily drinkers, and then let us know how you feel about any of the pours that you're having.